You're listening to Adishokbe Live, the Afrobeats podcast. Welcome to another edition of Adishokbe Live, the official Afrobeats podcast, episode 9, live from the Afromedia studios in London and of course sponsored by World Remit, one of the fastest and safest ways to send money to family and friends back home. If you're just joining us for the first time, this is where we break down some of the Afropop culture headlines and I share my opinions on what's been going on in the last seven days. Now, some of the headlines we'll be looking at today will be Whiskey and Burner Boy dazzle in separate virtual live performances, Uganda in turmoil as singer and presidential aspirant Bobby Wine rearrested. And actor Michael B. Jordan named People Magazine's Sexiest Man Alive. Well, let's get straight into the headlines this week. And we're starting in the UK, where Afrobeat superstars Burner Boy and Whiskey shine in separate virtual live performances. Burner Boy performed via Live Nation and Melody Virtual from Brixton Academy on Wednesday the 18th, while Whiskey performed via YouTube on, 19th, on the 19th, Thursday, uh, with what was tagged a day in the live of Whiskey Special. Now, if you're an Afrobeats fan, we've got to say this last one week has been incredible for Afrobeats and Afrobeats superstars around the world, like uh, Afrobeats fans around the world. Having to watch Burner Boy do his thing from the Brixton Academy on Wednesday was through Live Nation. So I think it was Melody Virtual. People had to pay a certain amount of money to log in and watch this incredible performance live. He, it was a twice as tall performance because what actually was happening was November this year, Burner had planned to tour the UK for the second album, the release of, no, not the second album, the release of Twice As Tall album this November. Unfortunately, coronavirus shut everything down, so that hasn't been, you know, possible. However, through Melody Virtual and um, Live Nation, they were able to put this performance together. Um, if you know Burner Boy, you, you know what to expect on stage. He's energetic, he's such an incredible performer, and there was one thing I loved about the performance you know the the cameras that were set up around the stage i think had motion sensors so whenever burner moved to any camera the camera would just turn and face him and follow him for a couple of seconds before he transitioned into another camera and and again you know somebody like burner boy who's energetic on stage and loves loves to dance sing and it, it must have been difficult without having fans in the building there was a moment where burner even said something like hey you know, the people in this in this venue, can I hear you make some noise? And you can hear a little bit of, yeah, in the background, which were crew members and obviously part of management and Burner's team that were probably just sitting in the arena to support him whilst he was doing his thing. But again, when you watch it online, with the way the world is right now, we are starting to get used to watching things online. Even television programs, people are doing interviews live via Zoom. People are, you know, broadcasting a, an entire show via Zoom in their bedrooms or their living room. So now online performances is not a new thing. But again, um, for Burner Boy specifically, it was a fantastic performance to see him once again perform the album twice as tall. I haven't done it for um, uh, BBC One Extra Live. This was another moment to sell the project again. And, it, you know, for me, it was fantastic. He ticked all the boxes, even though there was no uh, fans in the arena. It still did the usual stuff he was going to do. The killing them, he gave them his best, best. He gave them everything. You know, you watch Bonaboy, you know what to expect. And that was on Wednesday the 18th. Now, 24 hours after that was the incredible Whiskey via YouTube. And it was billed as a day in the life of, of Whiskey. So it was almost like, you know, they were going to show a little bit of his life. And then he went straight to the live performance. It kicked off with him. Being in a studio setting with him, P2J, Malik Berry in the studio, and they were trying to create a song. The presenter was Julia Denuga, who came into the, you know, the studio setting and started having conversations with Whiskey. And then from there, they walked into the house where they had Jollof Rice and me. Whiskey was there with his son, the chef, family, management was in the visuals as well. Had a couple of conversations. One that stood, stood out to me was the fact that... Um, if there was anybody out there that would like to, 
uh, do a joint album with. He mentioned Skepta. You know, we all know that they've been on about three songs together now, do Elegba remix, you know, Bad Energy, and then they now had the latest one now, Long Time. So that's three records. And I can imagine that they probably had a lot more. They just probably selected the last two records, you know, to be single. So for him to have said it confidently with his chest, like Skepta, I think I'd like to do an album with Skepta, is probably because they, they have a synergy in the studio together. They've made a little bit more music than we've heard, and they probably have a project somewhere sitting in the hard drive that they could present to the fans. Now, coming from that conversation, they went into the car, like YouTube really, big shout outs to YouTube. They must have invested a lot of money and manpower into this production, because not only were they filming whilst it was in that studio, in the house, they filmed them getting into the car, filmed the car all the way to the venue. They had some aerial shots as well, so there must have been you know, a uh, drone kind of camera that was following the car. Whiskey was in the car with uh, his best mate, Bazzi, having a conversation about performances as well as albums that he'd like to listen to. And he mentioned Adekunle Gold dropping a second album after the one he just released, Afro Pop Volume 1. Well, Adekunle Gold has been very open about the fact that this was Volume 1 and Volume 2 was about to come out. But Whiskey was scared that... He kind of uh, let the cat out of the mouse uh, or the cat out of the bag by releasing the information before the main artist, Adekunle Gold, did it himself. But as far as I'm concerned, I'm sure Adekunle won't be too angry at that because Whiskey had the world's eyes on him on that YouTube video and a lot of people were watching it. So to hear, you know, a star like Whiskey mention his anticipation for an album that's about to be released by Adekunle Gold in probably 2021. That has to be a plus, isn't it? Now, coming from that car, they walk, they get to the venue, Whiskey gets into his trailer, there's a stylist in there picking clothing for him, the band was already on stage, getting ready for that live performance. Now, you have to think about this. All of the stuff we're watching was actually being broadcast live. So everything that we saw was at, it was live. They were recording everything, the conversation he was having with the stylist, him getting ready to go on stage, him walking on stage. And you can hear, like, the producers in the air saying, you know, let him walk alone to the stage, da 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 da, da. You, you can hear those back chats in there. But let's get to the performance itself. Made in Lagos performance by Whiskey. First of all, the set was incredible. The set design was absolutely stunning. The artwork and the visuals in the background was incredible. And Wizkid was just an absolute star. And I, I, I think when watching the performance, it goes beyond, you know, uh, one aspect. Uh, maybe his vocals or his performance or the outfit or the song. It's everything and one, which included his star power. And when you watch that, it, it felt like... You know, we were in the arena. We were in that room with him performing. It was HD quality, so you could see the str every strand of hair on Whiskey's face. And one thing that I noticed that a lot of people also noticed on social media, throughout the 45 to 50 minute performance, the brother never broke a sweat. Not one drop of sweat came out from his body. So he felt like he was just in an element where he was really catching vibes and enjoying himself. He performed a couple of other songs as well. He performed soccer. He performed songs from Sound Man EP Jam. He performed songs from uh, sounds from the other side. So for me, you know, I was very happy to hear Jam being performed because I strongly believe that Made in Lagos is a sequel or a prequel to the Sound Man EP. And performing the record Jam just almost gives me the thumbs up, like, yeah, you got that right. Because the, the sound, the melodies, everything was just perfect. And watching it yesterday, and even if you're not an Afrobeats fan and you watch that live performance by Whiskey, you become a fan of Whiskey himself, uh, the, the music, the culture, the star power that the boy commands, uh, the brother commands on stage. Um, again, even though a lot of people, some people might have their favorites in the album, when you watch the artist perform these songs live, you know, Mighty Wine, you know, he's performing all the songs, you know, Ginger, 
everything now starts to become your favorite. You want you now listen to the album a completely different way because you've seen him perform it. And um it was fantastic. It was a star, he wrapped up the performance. Skepta joined him on stage as well and performed a long time together. Shout out my brother Van Cooley, who got that obvious shout out as, as well. You know, big swag, Van Cooley, you know. And um, it was beautiful to see uh, both brothers on stage performing records. Whiskey just really dancing. He seemed to be having a great time on stage. And that was what really came out of the screen that wherever you were, if you're a fan of Whiskey, a fan of Afrobeat's music, you were definitely going to catch the vibe. Now, finishing the performance, he walked into his trailer like a superstar, put the jacket on and walked out. For a moment, I just had like flashbacks like James Brown, like Prince, like those type of legendary, iconic musicians. And if you think about what the likes of Wizkid and Burner Boy did back to back with their virtual life performances, they are definitely touching those heights specifically to me in the Afrobeats, Afropop culture. You know, these are going to be iconic superstars that generations to come would have to go and study, watch, listen to, make references about because of how they completely took this culture to the next level. Shoutouts to greats like P-Square, the Banja, Willow Logomba, the traditional, you know, the likes of Castro, the, the traditional musicians, African musicians that have come and performed internationally before these young bucks. But when you see these guys, you know, particularly coming from that Wednesday or Thursday, you're just thinking, yo, Afrobeats, we've come a long way. I don't care who you are. Whether you're, an, you know, an American superstar, UK superstar, you must have seen Whiskey, particularly on YouTube, because it was a free service. You must be thinking, yo, this is a superstar. You want to know more about him. You want to know more about his culture. You want to know more about his fan base. The music is performing. What is his story? You know, and that that he had, you know, different graphics in the background, the Nigerian flag. Whiskey's airpiece also had the Nigerian flag on it. How much of an ambassador are these guys becoming for the country, the continent, and their culture? And we have to always give a massive, massive shout-out to these young men and women that are doing incredibly well, man. The only side thing that we noticed, um, there was a video of me whilst I was watching it on uh, Whiskey Perform on stage, was... At the Burner Boy show the day before, because we had seen Whiskey and Burner Boy rehearse Ginger, we expected to see Whiskey at the performance. So when we didn't see Whiskey at a Burner Boy performance, a lot of us were like, maybe the, the rehearsal was for the Whiskey show. Come Whiskey show on the Wednesday, on the Thursday, no Burner Boy. I'm like, boy, man. And that would have really just been the icing on the cake, regardless of whether. Wiz showed for Burner, Burner showed up for Wiz. The performances were incredible. They were A-star, they were impactful. They promoted our culture to the rest of the world. And I'm very, very proud to be an Afrobeats fan coming from such an incredible week of live music. Now, Adeshokwe Live, the Afrobeats podcast sponsored by World Remit. We go over to Uganda as the world rules the second arrest of Ugandan star activist and presidential aspirant Bobby Wine. His music colleague Bebe Cool seems to insinuate the arrest was justified in an interview. Singer Bebe Cool claimed his candidate incumbent president Museveni follows COVID guidelines in the country which bans holding of campaign rallies. Uh, but Be Bobby Wine, according to Bebe Cool, uh, Bobby Wine disregarded guidelines and held rallies which they claim eventually led to his arrest. Now on a campaign trail, spending the night in jail. After harassment, which led to, no, after they claim eventually, after his arrest, his supporters took to the streets to protest his arrest and continuous harassment, which led to the security forces allegedly responding with deadly vo uh, force. Now, according to news reports, several young people said to be Bobby Wine supporters had lost their hand lives at the hands of security forces at press time. This is another sad story that we're having to report here uh, on Adi Chopin Live, the Afrobeats podcast, where we're seeing activists, 
in Africa being targeted allegedly by security forces. Now, Bobby Wine is a musician, is an activist, is a politician who has declared his presidential ambition to go up against uh, the incumbent president, Museveni, who's been at the helm for 36 years in Uganda. Um, Bobby Wine is largely supported by the young people in Uganda and obviously being arrested for the second time in less than two weeks. His supporters took to the streets, you know, demanding his release and also asking for the government to stop his harassment. Now, this led to some fires being set up in the city and, and obviously led to the loss of life. We have to find a way to do better in Africa. This cannot be the future that we're, we kind of predict for our young kids and, and the young ones, where whenever they think they're speaking out uh, against you know, oppression, speaking, out, speaking up in support for people they believe will do the right thing by them, it looks like the, the arms of the law is being used to, quiet, to keep them quiet. And not only is it being used to keep them quiet, it's also allegedly being used to take their lives. And this is just sad. Watching this on social media, fires being burned, gunshots going off in Uganda, it just scares us. You know, it, it's too, how am I going to put it? It feels like it's almost being normalized. We almost feel like, oh, man, it's okay for this to happen now. We expect it to happen in African countries where the leadership don't want any opposition to speak up against them. And the next thing we're going to hear is opposition arrests and, in some cases, be murdered or assassinated or killed. And, and this can't be our story. I think some of, you know, we have to find a way to get to the leaders of these African countries and say, listen, this is not a disrespect, disregard to what you are doing or what you've done. It might just be time for fresh blood, fresh ideas, a change to take the countries into a different direction. It's the, 2020, it's the 20th century. Now we should be looking at different things and maybe some of the old leaders might not have what it takes to make those changes. And that's why the young people are speaking up consistently across Africa, fighting for their rights. But violence from security forces and members of the government towards these young people cannot continue. We have to find a way, you know, to, to peacefully pass our messages, peacefully invite the international community to support the voices of these young people and find a way to just to change for power to change hands peacefully. Can we just live in peace? You know, like it, it's sad. Every time when we see these headlines, it's one of those that just completely knocks me off my feet. Like, what are we gonna do? This can't keep happening. Young men and women losing their lives because they want to change or they're speaking up against injustices. This has to stop. Um, well. From Uganda, for a little bit of good news, we're going over to the United States of America, obviously for some good news, especially if you're a lady. Now, as popular actor and movie producer Michael B. Jordan is named People's Magazine's Sexiest Man Alive in year 2020. His announcement follows previous picks in John Legend and Idris Elba, meaning for the third time in a row, for the third year in a row, a black man has been picked up for that award. Now, you have to think about it. For decades before now, or years before now, it's been very rare for black men to, to, to be uh, picked up by People's uh, Magazine as the sexiest man alive and to have had Idris Elba, John Legend, and now Michael B. Jordan, who was uh, one, of the f one of the finest performances in Black Panther. If you remember, he was Killmonger. The, the, the opposition in Black Panther, and he was in Creed with Sylvester Stallone. He's an incredible, incredible actor, a fantastic producer, who recently also announced during the Black Lives Matter movement that his company were going to be employing a lot more people from the diverse communities and employing black and brown people in America. He felt that... Um, it was important to use his platform to support people from his community 
who were not being represented enough in Hollywood. That alone made him my man of the year in 2020. But again, stepping up to this uh, sexiest man alive uh, award, listen, this is no this is no small feat. Obviously, your six-pack has to be on point. Uh, the brother carries that well, and he's publicly never, I don't think, not to my knowledge, uh, publicly uh, expressed or announced who he's dating or whatever. So for a lot of women out there, he is the perfect image of a man, good-looking, strong, six-pack, successful, a leader. He fights for social justice. He can't go wrong. And I think all of those attributes were, were the things that led to him being awarded People's Magazine's Sexiest Man Alive. But third time in a row, for a black man, we know the racist is going to come out any second from now criticizing this announcement. Let's just wait for it for a couple more days. Go on social media or Twitter, and you will be shocked not to find some negative comments or trolls being le le uh, leveled against People's Magazine or um, Michael B. Jordan himself. But congratulations to Michael B. Jordan for picking up that award. Now, from the Straits we, States, we cross back to Africa as we head to Tanzania where superstar Diamond Platinums announced via social media that his little daughter will be collaborating on his next song, uh, next song titled Sitaki. Now, the video surfaced of Diamond Platinum's daughter lending her vocals to the unreleased song in the studio after what seemed to be a reunion, uh, a family reunion after a while apart as the singer and his former wife had separated years ago and reportedly had been at loggerheads. Now, Princess Tifa, as she is known, being Diamond's daughter, flew into Tanzania with her mom, brother, uh, and little brother to spend some time with her dad. And the happy family could be seen walking around the multi-million uh, dollar mansion as Diamond showed his kids the entire property, their rooms, and eventually landing in the jacuzzi. Now, Diamond Platinums is, uh, is one of the biggest stars from Africa. He hails from Tanzania, uh, the East African monster, bongo flavor superstar. He, I think, is, is the first Afro-pop Afro musician uh, an African, I think, to reach the 1 billion views mark on YouTube. Yes, you heard me right. 1 billion. And that shows how successful Diamond Platinum is. Now, him and his uh, former wife had been somewhat estranged for a couple of years. So we haven't seen this usual Diamond Platinum's family picture that we, we were used to seeing a couple of years ago. But, you know, last week... It was shown not only on social media, but on YouTube as well as, you know, uh, the family, uh, the ex-wife and his daughter flew into Tanzania and, the, you know, they were happy, happy to be around each other. Uh, his daughter was just seeing the house for the first time. So Diamond Platinums definitely took a little bit of pride in showing the little princess around the building, showing her private room. And ultimately, they ended up in the jacuzzi where they were having lots of fun. Now, Diamond Platinum continues to be one of the artists pushing the East African sound to the top of the food chain. He's had hit records with Omarion. He's had hit records with Neo. He's collaborated, had hit records with uh, David O, Flavor Nabanya, gone into Ghana with Stoneboy. He, when it comes to really finding a way to promote himself and his music, Diamond has walked a map that has worked perfectly. He went from East Africa into South Africa with, with the likes of AKA, from South Africa into West Africa with the likes of David Doe, crossing into Ghana, and through his collaborations has spread his music around perfectly in Africa. And that is probably a roadmap that young up-and-coming musicians can take a leaf out of that book. It's simple. You want to increase your fan base, you do it via collaborations. Look at other countries. Look at other artists. Those that might add something to your brand. They don't necessarily have to be superstars. Because if you're an up-and-coming star, the big stars 
most definitely are not likely going to open their doors to you. But look at somebody on your level that's coming from a completely different audience. And both of you can build an audience and a following together, coming together, making hit records. And that's what Diamond Platinums has done. And not only has he put, uh, put Tanzanian music on the map, he's also been an ambassador for Tanzania. You know, he's also not scared of making his political allegiance uh, known publicly as he has supported the president of Tanzania, the current incumbent president, on his campaign trail, performing uh, on stage in, in, in stadiums, inviting fans not only to support his music, but to support the current president, asking for five more years, I think four or five more years, of the current government in Tanzania, which is... Um, an attribute that a lot of Afro-pop or African celebrities are starting to stay away from now, you know, making their political allegiance um, or alliance known because people feel that it might have negative repercussions um, within months or years, but not in this case. Diamond is very confident of his relationship and he continues to share that with the world. And it's great to see the father-daughter um, meet up again. Uh, I'm looking forward to, to hearing what she's going to be doing on the record. Uh, she, you can hear her with the headphones on saying, Sitaki, Sitaki, or something like that. And, and hey, it's great to see the likes of Davido putting his newborn son as, a, I think, an executive producer on his brand new album. And now Diamond Platinum's collaborating with his young daughter on a record. They're preparing for the future, basically, making sure that they're putting foundations in place so their kids can earn from what their fathers have done years before they become adults. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Now, from Tanzania, we head over to Nigeria, where this week the world celebrated iconic twin musicians P-Square as they marked their special birthday online. Now, the day started with social media pleasantries from friends, celebrities, and fans, but soon turned south as Paul, one half, known as Rude Boy Paul, one half of the duo, reacted to his twin brother's wife, wife's greeting. Now, Mrs. Uh, Lola Omotayo Okoye posted a message on social media congratulating both for their birthday and asking them to put their differences aside as we all have one life to live. Now, Paul wasn't too happy with that post, responding to a post by calling her the reason for the differences between the brothers, saying he hadn't spoken to her in four years and her message on social media was for Cloud to look good in the public, insinuating it was different behind closed doors. Now, you have to understand the the, the story of P-Square to understand the importance of this social media squabble. P-Square, Peter and Paul are a set of twins who have dominated, uh, dominated Afrobeats for close to 20 years now. Now, they were the first duo in Africa to have toured stadiums across the continent. From Syria alone to Nigeria to Cameroon, these guys were what we call superstars. But about four or five years ago, sad news hit social media and the web for Afrobeats fans and P-Square fans around the world that they were not going to be a duo anymore. And it soon came out to the public that the reason for the separation was not only creative-wise, but it also had personal issues intertwined. And one of the allegations was that the brothers didn't get along because Peter's wife was not a, a favorite. I, I hate to say the story, but it seemed like Peter's wife was not on good terms with Paul and the manager and older brother Jude. Now, this back and forth has been in the media consistently for the last three or four years with Jude, their senior brother and manager, having his thoughts and things to say on the matter. Peter coming on social media and, you know, lambasting his brothers for not accepting his family and his wife for showing her enough respect that she deserved in his eyes. And um, the beef had gone quiet for some time. However, this post by Peter's wife reignited it somewhat. And social media went crazy because um, Paul wasn't going to have it. 
he took to social media to almost say that the post by, you know, Peter's wife was for clout and basically that, you know, the inside scoop was a little bit different to the kind of energy she was putting outside and directly calling her the problem between the brothers. And that has to be very, very sad to see. Um, as a fan of Afrobeats and Afropop and a big fan of P-Square, who are one of the few performers in Africa who would not only sing, but will dance and entertain. They, they had such an incredible dynamic between both of them that Afrobeats fans flocked in their thousands, tens of thousands, not only to see live, but to support via these streaming platforms and different outlets. Um, and to see that sudden end to Peace Square's reign come to fruition, like, it was just sad. And every time I have to tell you, as a secret fan of Peace Square, like millions around the world, we're always hoping that one day, one day, that these guys will put their differences aside and understand that they are blood brothers. Not only that, a set of twins and that their love for each other must supersede whatever problems they're going through and probably make it to the stage one more time. Just imagine that. Peace Square World Tour would be incredible to see because we've missed them, especially now that Afrobeats has gotten to a completely different audience, a completely different stage in the world. You know, it, now is the time when people like P-Square, people like the band, people like Two-Face, you know, people like that should get the opportunity to do their thing at the highest level. Uh, and to see this, you know, this falling out on social media, it's just bad, man. And it's sad for... You know, genuine fans, I've met these guys, I've known them for years, I've interviewed them a couple of times, I have so much respect and love for both artists, but to see that the personal issues are so strong that they can't overcome is, is very sad. And it also an example to, you know, what we go through as human beings, that it's a different th picture that the world sees, but on the inside, there's turmoil. There's, there's bitterness, there's hardship, and, and this is an example of that. Unfortunately, the laundry is being washed in public, and that's why we're discussing it here on Adi Shopper Live, the Afrobeats podcast. Well, um, from, from that, we go straight to Ghana, where rumblings of discord has once again surfaced between dancehall superstar Shatawale and Stoneboy. Now, in a recent interview, Shatawale claimed Sonboy had refused to pick up or return any of his calls after the infamous Asasi sound clash battle. Now, Shatawale also claims he won that battle, by the way. Um, in the sound clash, Shatawale said some stuff which Stoneboy deemed derogatory. However, he claimed Stoneboy had signed off on the disc before they made their stage entries. Shatawale claimed Stoneboy told him to be as disrespectful as possible as that was the art of sound clash. Hmm. Now, Stoneboy has responded to Shatawale's claim of not answering phone calls, saying he was not Shatawale's butter to his bread and that their friendship was a work in progress and people shouldn't expect a perfect friendship all of a sudden after long years of war. A little feedback, background story on this situation. Shatawale and Stoneboy are two of the biggest dancehall artists from Africa, hailing from Ghana. And both of them have been at loggerheads for years that even got so bad that during the infamous Ghana Music Awards about two years ago, Stoneboy allegedly pulled out a firearm towards Shatawale, which he claimed was in self-defense, on stage in public, in like public view. The whole world was watching Ghana Music Awards, and that ensued on the stage. Because of that terrible moment, where both of them were banned at the Ghana Music Awards, after many disc records and different... Alter, you know, altercations. Both of them put their differences aside, sat together, and publicly announced that they'll be working on their relationship, and they apologized to the Ghanaian public. 
Fast forward 2020, I was sitting in my living room one night. I turned on to YouTube and I saw that a sound clash from Asasi Radio in Ghana was being broadcast live. What's going on here? It is two of the biggest dancehall artists in the world clashing on stage. Shatawale and Stoneboy. And this was, if you know about Sound Clash, it's two iconic musicians bringing their sounds together for the audience in the arena and ar around the world to make their judgment on who won the battle. And guess what? That night was one of my favorite nights of entertainment. Not only did they represent dancehall in perfect fashion, but they represented Ghanaian music incredibly well. And that night, what happened was, after Shatawale dropped what he claimed was the biggest song in Ghana and Africa in the world, which was obviously, the king already. the king already. the king already. Which was Shatawale and Beyonce. He walked off stage and left Stoneboy on stage to drop another banger to wrap up. So some of the people will say, yo, Shatawale dropped the biggest record in the world and he killed the sound clash or others, like in Stoneboy's quarters, would say, what? He left the stage before I dropped my big monster. So I won the sound clash. So that back and forth had gone on for a while. And during the sound clash, there were moments where Shatawale said some seriously disrespectful stuff. I've got to be honest with you. But Stoneboy was quick to tell him, stop, 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 stop. But Shatawale was saying, it's a sound clash. And this is expected. And coming out this week to now say, yo, I told him before the sound clash that I was going to say some disrespectful stuff. And he told me to go ahead that it was in the art of the sound clash. Everybody's thinking, oh, so did Stoneboy sign off to some of those this, this is? I'm not sure that is. But again, this relationship has been up and down and strained and love and brotherhood in the past. Um, I won't be surprised within the next one month or two months that we can actually get another situation where both guys are seen as brothers again. But once I saw this headline, I'm like, Stoneboy and Shatawale again? Beam Nation and Shata Movement again? What's going on there? But it looks this time that Sto uh, Shatawale was actually being, you know, he was kind of extending an olive branch to Stoneboy. But my brother Stone wasn't gonna take it. Now, staying in Ghana where popular comedian Funny Face hit the headlines this week for allegations of abuse against his pregnant wife, who also happens to be the mother of his twin daughters. Now, Funny Face had taken to social media to attack famous media personality and marriage counselor Mami Yeboah, Mami Yeboah of advising his wife, Vanessa, to leave the house and being a bad influence on her and being a problem in their marriage. Now, Mami Yeboah hit back at Funny Face, calling him a liar, abuser, and a cheat, releasing audio uh, of phone conversations with Funny Face's ex-wife, Vanessa, where she can be heard alleging him being physically abusive to her for no reason, including whenever she asked for help in looking after the twins. Now, anybody that knows me knows how much I frown against domestic abuse. Physical, sexual, whatever type of abuse. Um, and this, again, is another allegation that just makes me cringe. Funny Face is a popular comedian in Ghana who has been seen with celebrities such as uh, uh, Adebayo, uh, football player Adebayo, and so many celebrities in Ghana. He's always on social media, he's very popular. And I think before this time, there were allegations that he had gone on social media to criticize his wife in the past and called her names and had been disrespectful in the past, uh, where some of the so media personalities actually criticized him heavily on radio this week, saying the same woman you criticized and called terrible names on social media in the past you have now got her pregnant for her th for your third child. That there definitely has to be something, you know, not quite right with that story. And Mami Yeboah coming up and, and, and sharing this audio of what seems to be 
uh, Funny Face's ex-wife saying that he was physically abusive towards her is, you know, heartbreaking to listen to. Um, not only is she the mother of his twin daughters, but she is also heavily pregnant with their third child. Domestic violence and abuse towards a woman is terrible and horrible full stop. To a pregnant woman, has to be an arrestable offense. Has to be. A serious investigation has to be taking place and it must be an a pregnant woman. That's two lives. That's abuse towards two people. Because if the pregnant woman isn't physically and mentally fine, the baby in the stomach is not going to be stable. Correct me if I'm wrong. So when I'm listening to stories like this, well, Funny Face in his defense has come on social media and claimed that his wife allegedly physically assaulted him and had abused him in the past. And the media personality, Mami Yebua, and a, uh, an array of others, including his ex-wife Vanessa's family, are all telling lies. And these are allegations. Uh, he is the victim in this case. And it's just sad. You know, we've on this podcast in the last couple of weeks, if you followed us closely, you would hear us talk about domestic abuse uh, via various headlines from South Africa, from Nigeria. Now we're talking about Ghana. I've said publicly that in Africa, yes, around the world, domestic abuse is a big problem. But in Africa, it's a massive problem because men have been allowed to carry out these atrocities without consequences. You know, we've seen men, women who have lost their lives at the hands of their husbands or lovers, boyfriends in some cases. And it's because the penalties for these crimes have been minimal, sometimes financial, sometimes they don't even end up in jail. Um, we saw the popular um, uh, Olympic athlete from South Africa who had allegedly shot and killed his girlfriend, Riva Steenkamp, uh, close to a decade ago now. And, and initially what had happened, what type of judgment he had gotten for the gruesome murder of the young lady. I think he was sentenced to about two years in prison or something ridiculous before that uh, his release was overturned, an appeal was made overturned and he, then he was sent back to prison but you know it, it it's terrible and we have to speak up and speak out against domestic abuse and try to teach our young men uh a lot younger that this is not acceptable and also teach the young girls that this is not it's not a sign of love you know, so I've heard some, some young girls saying stuff like, he loves me, but he loves me. That's why he's, you know, put his hands on me. That's not a sign of love. He's not your father, mother, or older brother. He is your partner, boyfriend, or husband. He should in no way be raising his hands against you. So please, let's find a way to speak to our young guns. We need to stop this. We're definitely going to be following the following the the funny story, uh, funny face story a little bit closer and, and finding out what eventually happens in this case. But she, his, his ex-wife has left the home. She stayed with Mami Yeboah for a couple of days after the initial domestic abuse allegations were made. And I think currently she's currently staying with family. Uh, she's heavily pregnant with the third child and she has a set of twins as well. We'll follow the story closely. Now, um... We go over to the UK where shopping chain Sainsbury's received massive backlash and racist attacks for featuring a black family in one of their, uh, their Christmas adverts. Now, complaints were made by members of the public on social media for what they said was a non-inclusive advert, which didn't represent the diverse cultures in the UK. For Christ's sake, man. This is a one-off, or this is one-off if not the first time a big shopping chain has used a full black couple slash family in one of their adverts. As there are other adverts running for the same chain, showing others. But guess what? The world goes crazy for the blackness 
in this advert for, from Sainsbury's. Now, this led to many influencers in the black community pledging their support for Sainsbury's who responded on social media to trolls and stuck to their guns, saying that the advert is a representation of the people that shop at Sainsbury's. Now, Britain's Got Talent and Diversity dancer Ashley Banjo, uh, who was also at the end of vicious social media attacks and over 20,000 complaints, god damn, for his Black Lives Matter dance routine on live TV, came out in support of Sainsbury's and cheekily welcomed Sainsbury's to the, and I quote, trigger the racist club. Because that's exactly what it is. The advert is a beautiful advert that shows a, a, a black man on the phone to his daughter who was asking for the Christmas gravy recipe. And whilst he was telling her about the recipe, he goes into a montage of showing memories of them during Christmas, you know, making food, opening presents, and him dancing with his young daughters. And the entire cast in that advert was a black family. And this was, can you imagine what triggered off these racists on social media. Yes, shout outs to Sainsbury's for standing their ground and sticking to their guns. And not only Sainsbury's, the advertising age, uh, complaints agency has come out with a statement saying they will not be investigating these adverts as it met all advert standards. So to all the racists out there, they're basically saying shut up, keep shut, and just sit down. This is another stepping stone you know, another opportunity for us to to be as inclusive as possible. I love it when I see an advert that shows an Asian family um, in there. It represents the community I live in. I love it when they show a black family in there. It represents the United Kingdom that I live in, living in London. When they show a white couple or whatever in there, it is great. I celebrate it all. So should you. And in the same, in the same, um, Conversation, Tesco were criticized by popular actress and model um, who on, 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 on Instagram posted the fact that her scene of a Tesco Christmas advert had been cut out. Now, she was part of a full black couple, which she claims on social media that that was the first time she had been in a full black couple in an advert for any one of these big chains. So she's always been in a mixed race couple, her being black and then having a white husband. But this was the first time that she was in a full black couple, beautiful Afro, beautiful dark skin glowing. And when the advert came out about a week or something, she didn't see the scene. So she sent a message to her agent requesting that, yo, what happened to her scene? And to buttress her point, she also recorded a little bit of behind-the-scenes footage, which she says she puts out after adverts and some of the work that she's done has been released. Then she puts that out just to show what was going on behind the scenes. But this time, even though she had the behind-the-scenes footage, there was no footage in the adverts to confirm that they were actually on set, which is sad, you know, that Tesco would do that and take, you know, the black... Because, listen... One of the arts of marketing to people and getting other people to come and buy and, and spend with you is by showing two different communities that, you know, we represent you. We're open to you. You can come to us. And how you do that is by using one of the people that represent those communities in your adverts. It's common sense. So by, you know, taking this little thing that they think in their eyes out, Obviously, a lot of people within the black community had started the, you know, boycott uh, Tesco hashtag and also started to show their support towards Sainsbury's. I don't usually shop at Sainsbury's, but that advert warmed my heart. I'll be definitely taking my talents and my wallets to Sainsbury's, the, the closest one to me. I'm picking one or two goods from there, not only for showcasing the black talent in their adverts, but also standing their ground and stick into their guns and say, yo, this is a representation of the people that come into our stores. And if the racists don't like it, they can piss off, really. Now, stay, sticking with the big shopping chain theme, 
But this time in Kenya, as popular Kenyan comedian Edwin Butita has sued online shopping brand Mall of Africa for 10 million shillings, which is around $100,000, for using his brand to promote Black Friday sales without his consent or a formal agreement. In October, his lawyers apparently contacted the website but was rebuffed by the platform saying the allegations were rubbish. Uh, and Eddie and his lawyers have now proceeded to court as they claim to have evidence of the unauthorized marketing content on more of Africa's social media platforms. This is 2020, man. This is 2020. Big brands like Mall of Africa or any big brand in the first place cannot get away with using the likeness and image of popular celebrities without having formal agreements with them. It's, it's common sense. Yes, I know in Africa, people just do whatever they like. They can put your face on a billboard without your consent. And that's it. Nobody's asking any questions. But nowadays, it's 2020. The world is advanced. Images and likeness of celebrities, sports personality, musicians, people who have worked hard for their brand. That brand means something. If his pictures were being posted on social media used in driving sales for Black Friday, it will help. It's called a recognizable content. You recognize the face on that content. It attracts you to looking at whatever is being advertised and you might find something that you like, you want to spend your money towards. So whether you like it or not, his brand has been beneficial to whoever has used it to market. Now, Mall of Africa has said it's rubbish, it's, it's lies, all of that stuff. But my man has gone ahead in, in, in starting legal proceedings for the 10 million shilling lawsuit. $100,000, brother. If he can, even if he doesn't go to court and they decide to settle that stuff, he might be $30,000, $50,000 richer because of a simple mistake. I've forgotten what it was in the UK. I think it was um, Mel B that I tweeted at a brand, former Mel B, a former Spice Girl superstar singer, Mel B tweeted about two years ago. One of the brands on, in the UK here had used her image to advertise something. And she didn't even do too much. She just retweeted it, tweeted at that platform, and said, you'll be hearing from my lawyers in the morning. you get a phone call. They already know what's going on. We don't know what happened at the end of that, but we can be rest assured in the Western world that money must have changed hands and favor would have changed hands. So, Eddie Butitwa, this is over to you. It might be cha-ching time. Hence why your lawyer said, let's go ahead with it. Now, from Kenya, we head back to West Africa, Lagos, to be exact, where lovebirds Mr. Easy and Tammy Odetola announced that they will be launching a brand new podcast titled How Far. Now, the lovebirds shared the news on their social media platforms and both fan bases of the musician, Mr. Easy, an actress in Tammy Otedola expressed excitement on the internet. Mr. Easy and Tammy's relationship continues to go strong that billionaire dad Femi Otedola cheekily posted a message at his daughter asking when the wedding date was going to be. Now, Mr. Easy is an incredible superstar from Nigeria, fantastic musician who has been dating billionaire daughter Temi Otedola for the last couple of years. Uh, they, they, you know, their, their relationship has been public on social media. They have been by each other's side for, for a long time now. And um, this announcement of a podcast by both of them was news to the world. Not only are they together romantically, now they're bringing their business world together as well. A podcast, I don't know specifically what the podcast is going to be about. It's titled How Far... It could involve interviews with celebrity guests. It could involve conversations over, you know, Afro-pop culture, maybe food, fashion, which she's a big fan of, the acting world, which she's kicked the door open into. Um, it's, it's another platform for, for African voices uh, and by African celebrities, which would open the door 
to a bigger audience, you know, uh, a larger line, a fan base. And I'm excited to see it, you know. Uh, Young Love is always very nice. Uh, and not only are they putting their, their relationship to good use, but they're also trying to build an empire with that relationship, which is fantastic. That's a kudos from me. Um, and congratulations on the podcast. I'll definitely be subscribing to that. And the world should be doing the same thing too. Now, speaking of love, Afrobeat superstar Ron Town dropped the visuals for his new song, Kini Ishu. Hey, baby, Kini Ishu. Hey. This past week, the video features Sudanese and Australian supermodel Aduta Ketch, who is also Ron Town's off screen girlfriend. The pair have continued to make appearances on the internet, with another big one being the Christmas adverts for Versace, which features Runtown and Adult. Now, Runtown is one of my people in the Afrobeats world, superstar Afrobeat singer of Mad Over You fame, uh, had incredible hits, and he was scheduled to release an album this year. Hopefully, we're still going to get it, Runtown. But this song is his brand new single titled Kini Issue. It's a fantastic record. Um, the video was shot by the incredible director Meiji Alabi. And it features Ron Town, a fantastic dancer from a uh, female dancer from the United States of America, a male dancer from the UK who dressed like Lagbaja. Lagbaja, who is a Afro jazz, Afro B, uh, yeah, Afro jazz saxophonist and superstar musician from Nigeria. Lagbaja basically means who is this? And he has an iconic traditional mask that he has worn all through his musical career. So this music video by Runtown kind of pays tribute to Lagbaja with a saxophone and his mask. And then it features the superstar, iconic supermodel, Adota Ketch, you know, in that video as well. It's a pure celebration of love celebration of black love, celebration of, you know, Africa, Afrobeats, Afropop culture, incredible talents. The video is very simple, but very powerful as well. And I think big credit goes to Meiji Alabi, big credit goes to, to Ron Town, Adult, and the dancers in the video. It's just incredible. The record is fantastic. And to see these lovers come together, working together not only on Run Town's project, but also being um, uh, used as the models for Versace's Christmas advert campaign. I need to put my pen down and clap to this. Run Town. Adults, this is huge. The blackness in that, you know, in that campaign, chocolate was coming out of the skin, like, like the screen. When you look at the pictures on the internet or the videos on Instagram, the dark chocolate was dripping all over the screen. Uh, um, I'm a massive fan of Adult as well. She's not only an incredible supermodel, but I've been lucky enough to meet her. She's a fantastic person. And, um, you know, it's, those are the people, the ambassadors of Africa that we want to support. And, 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 you know, watching them in this video definitely brings uh, joy to my heart. And long may it continue. Now, we end on CNN, where the events of the 20th of October at the Lekki Tollgate rumbles on as the popular DJ and activist DJ Switch was interviewed on CNN by Becky Anderson. Now, the interview followed CNN's own investigation of the Lekki Tollgate shooting, where they corroborated the story of DJ Switch, concluding that shots were indeed fired, at, uh, fired by the Nigerian security forces into the unarmed protesters, with at least one person losing their life. DJ Switch spoke passionately about her love for her country and intentions to return after the truth of that faithful night had been unearthed. Now, in response to CNN's independent investigations, the Nigerian government responded through Minister of Information threatening, you hear this, sanctions against CNN for what they claim to be perpetuating fake news. Now, DJ Switch uh, continues to stand firm with her account of, of what happened that night and the fact that she's, she, she turned her on her Instagram live, broadcasted, you know, broadcasting the entire event 
on social media. And what CNN did here was what, you know, some people would expect of the Nigerian government. Not only did they uh, interview some of the people that were on the scene that day, they also used, you know, pictures, images from satellite, videos that corroborated the date and events, the timings. They, they carried out a thorough investigation that one would expect of a government. Uh, but unfortunately uh, for, for, for Nigeria, this investigation was done by CNN. However, the Nigerian government responded uh, strongly criticizing that investigation by CNN with the Nigerian minister calling this nothing but fake news and attacking CNN for using what they claim to be the same social media videos that have been going around without much more evidence. Um, CNN closed out this interview and the report on CNN by saying they stand by their investigations and their findings of what happened on the 20th of October 2020 at Lekki Tollgate. Uh, we will follow this story closely and see what eventually happens to CNN from the Nigerian government or what happens if the, you know, it, it, it is confirmed that security forces opened fire, indeed opened fire on innocent uh, Nigerians, killing some of them, because that might be dealt with at the Hague. I'm not sure, but I think it's the International uh, Criminal Court that stuff like that is being dealt with. Now, finally, in this week's Shopsy Do's and Don'ts, I would like to implore you to do the following. As the Afro-pop culture this week saw the album releases of Yemi Alade in Empress, Timaya in Gratitude, Busiswa in My Story, and Omale in What Have We Done? I'd like the listening and streaming public to stream to support African creatives by buying and streaming these projects. These men and women continue to put their countries and continent on the map, becoming unofficial ambassadors for our pop culture, inviting the world to our various countries through their incredible music. Yemi Alade continues to shine in her pure African essence, and the album showcases her vocal talents on her usual Afro-infused sounds perfectly. The album Empress was fantastic. Full disclosure, I lent my ears to that album, worked closely with the Yemi Aladia Fizikam in producing and creating this album, which I believe is one of the finest works of 2020. The continuous push of Afrobeats music by Yemi Alade needs to be applauded. And her celebration of Pan-African music and culture also needs to be identified and also applauded. For one thing that a lot of people tend to stay away from once they attain the type of superstar status that she has had. Shout out to Yemi Alade. Now, Timaya is an icon of Afrobeats and Afro dancehall, whose longevity, according to him, is down to the grace of God. But my God, when you listen to Gratitude, the album, everything about that album celebrates African music, Afro dancer, and Timaya is a general on that project. Busiswa is everything on this brand new project titled My Story. The energy she brings to every song reminds me of the early South African kwaito and dance music that I fell in love with growing up in the 80s and the 90s. Sharing her story via these sounds deserves huge support as an African queen that Busiswa is. And finally, young Buck Omale can be labeled brave by dropping two projects in this debut year. What Have We Done is a five-track EP short and sweet for music lovers, and this project continues to showcase this young man's fantastic sounds and talents to the world. It's impossible to believe that Omale has only been doing this for a year. Congratulations, Omale. Once again, Shopsy, do the needful and support these projects. On that note, I'd like to say thank you for joining us today on Adi Shopper Live, the Afrobeat podcast sponsored by World Remit, supported by Afri Media Studios, LM Media, 
Ayo Maurice, and of course, Afro Scene TV. And once again, I believe it is a dominant one for the hats. Follow us across all social media. I'm Adishokwe.olajide and Afrobeats Podcast. And hit the subscribe button. Our numbers keep going up. So I'd like to say thank you to you guys for joining us. Shea at the background. I appreciate you, my brother. Until next time, it is peace. And I'm out. Right. 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 Right.